the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Welcome once again, folks, to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Here on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN, once again, Alan Dempsey does our engineering, does it beautifully, and Andrew Herdliska is our producer, and Ray Johnston joins us in the first half hour from Sacramento, California, that's where he's headquartered, he's got a terrific new book out, it's called Jesus Called, He Wants His Church Back, What Christians in the American Church Are Missing... Thomas Nelson is the publisher. Ray, good to catch up with you. I hope you're doing well. Hey, doing great. Have a, as a matter of fact, as we speak, I'm in Santa Barbara, so what a gorgeous day. Oh, boy. Yeah, well, between Florida and California, Ray, you can't do a whole lot better. So, <laughs> no kidding. Good for you. Tell me about your book. Hey, I, well, the book was born out of a conviction that somehow in America... These ought to be the best of times. I mean, we've got better buildings, better communication. I mean, we've got world-class universities. I mean, Christians have everything that you would ever dream of, and somehow our impact is at an all-time low on people and in our culture. Our values seem to be losing. And at some point you're going, we have everything we've always wanted, and we're not doing well. What's wrong? And I think what's wrong, we may be missing the one thing we're supposed to be about, which is Jesus. And... And so, as a matter of fact, I think we've developed some kind of version of Christianity without Jesus in America. And, and it's pe- people admire him, they applaud for him, they, Christians just don't follow him. So I wanted to write a very challenging book, challenging Christians to get reconnected to the Jesus that for some reason most American Christians are ignoring. Ray Johnston, he has a rich, varied background as a professor, speaker, writer, founder of Thrive Communications and the Thrive Leadership Conference. Let's get started. Let's dig in here, Ray. You bet. Uh, First of all, uh, finding Jesus in South Africa. Uh, That's how you open. What's going on here? That that is what shook the entire thing up. Um, uh, A little over a decade ago, I was invited with my wife to go to South Africa and train pastors And we went there to train them in the Dutch Reformed Church, and the Dutch Reformed Church, by and large, was the almost all-white church. They actually were the ones, they were separatists, they had actually formed the theological underpinnings for apartheid. And the longer we were there training pastors, the more depressed I got. I mean, it was one all-white, dead, traditional, not impacting thing after another. And I'm just getting ready to leave the country after about a week and a half, and we got a call and said, hey, can you not fly home? Can you fly to Johannesburg and preach at the largest Dutch Reformed church in the country before you fly home? So we flew up there, drove into church, and I was expecting the you know all-white, staid, traditional, boring, and I drove into something with thousands of people. The only time I saw blacks and whites together in South Africa back then, the services were in English and Swahili. And I was, in a, I was getting ready to speak, and it's about a two-hour service, and they, I'm standing next to the pastor, and it's during worship, and, we, and he turns around. We look at the whole crowd, and I said to him, how long have you been here? He said, 10 years. And I said, was it like this when you got here? He said, no. And he said, matter of fact, it was like all the rest, all white and, and basically segregated. And I said, what happened? He said, the day I got here, I gathered the board. I put a chair at the head of the table, and I said, that chair 
He's going to be the head of this table for, as long as I'm here. Nobody ever sits in that chair. That's Jesus's chair. It's supposed to be his church. He's supposed to be calling the shots. It doesn't look to me like we've been doing a very good job without him. Why don't we put him back in charge of this church? And the only question we're going to ask is, what did Jesus want us to do? And he explained this to me while the service is going on. He said, so when it came to how are we going to worship, when it came to what do we do with kids, and then he said, when it came to are we going to be stay all white, he said that was an easy call. And he just, it, we actually both got choked up. He turned, he turned around, we faced the audience in South Africa back during uh, the remaining uh, part of the time of apartheid. He swept his hand over this whole scene, blacks and whites together, worshiping together, uh, connecting together. And he said, this is just what Jesus wanted to do. And I came back from that experience, and I thought, man, what would happen if we put him back in charge of our lives and our churches here? What we want to do? Let's talk about seven lost decades, Ray. Yeah, it's interesting. The, when, when I wrote this chapter, I literally thought, before anybody votes for whoever's going to be in the White House, they ought to read this chapter. Um, what happened is this. I actually wrote a section where I think we've developed a world without Jesus and a country without him. And I think one by one, our country is replacing Christian values with secular values. And then the question is, this, when that happens, what do you lose? And for about the last 70 years, we've lost one thing in every decade. And in the 50s, innocence went out the window, and Hollywood started shaping guys. In the 60s, we lost authority, and that was the decade of trust no one over 30. And we've been with a disrespect for authority ever since. In the 70s, Americans lost love, and Americans, it was the me decade, it was the free love decade. And, and as one guy said, Americans starving for love have settled for sex ever since the 1970s. And then in the 80s, it was values. In the 90s, we lost faith. In the 2000s, People now um, we lost security. People feel like you know what, nine uh, eleven. I Americans are the most insecure they've ever been, and the last decade it's hope. And you look at this and go, how in the world do we raise healthy kids in a culture without innocence, authority, love, values, faith, security, and hope? And I think this could be a great decade for the Christian faith because we actually have the answers to those seven things. By the way, it's also interesting. I was talking with, I was on a political show the other day, and they said, who would you recommend people vote for? And I said, I'm not going to tell people who to vote for. What I would say is people need to ask the question, which one of these candidates has the best chance of restoring some of these lost values? Because you can't be emotionally healthy without these things. And then uh, topic number three, building on a cracked foundation. Uh, what does that mean, Ray? By, by and large, you're going, people have their feet firmly planted in midair. I mean, it, you know, Matthew 7, Jesus says, hey, my words can be the foundation for your life. And if you're going to reject me and my words, what do you propose to replace something on? I mean, you can't build anything without setting a solid foundation. Uh, for example, I grew up, I, I was not a Christian growing up. When I, I mean, I grew up in an executive jet set. Southern California family. My dad was president of his company at age 40. Uh, he was a committed atheist. Uh, I was an atheist growing up. Talked the guy out of becoming a Christian when I was 18 years old, which does not look good on the pastor's resume. And my and, and what happened is I grew up in this kind of thing. My parents ended up getting divorced. My dad became, by and large, an alcoholic, rageaholic, divorced guy. My mom was an alcoholic. And, and but And so they got divorced, which was no surprise, because you look back 150 years in our family tree, there is not one lasting marriage. I mean, not one. Grandparents, all the way back, there is not one lasting marriage for about 140 years. The, my wife and I, I ended up becoming a Christian, and my wife and I just celebrated our 32nd wedding anniversary, which means we now have the longest-running marriage in the history of our family tree. And I just love it when somebody says, oh, I just don't think Jesus or the Bible or the church that make, make that big of a difference. I think, you know what, the, he makes all the difference in the world. All you have to do is look at a family tree and go, he broke 150 years of past patterns. And I think what's going on right now is a lot of people are going, I'm trying to fix my marriage or I'm trying to fix my teenagers. The problem is we do not have a solid foundation off of which they're trying to fix the wrong thing. When we fix the foundation, then you've got something solid you can build on.
My guest is Ray Johnston. He's with us from uh, California, and uh, we're talking about his book, Jesus Called. He wants his church back, but Christians in the American church are missing. Uh, as early as 50 A.D., Christians had gotten away from knowing who Jesus really is, and our generation is no different. That's right. In every decade, we as Americans lost something important that we couldn't afford to lose. And uh, we're going to hear more about this from uh, Ray Johnston right after these messages. Uh, Just a reminder, this is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, You are listening to the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN booming out. From Orlando, Florida, up and down the I-4 corridor. That's the deal here, folks. More with Ray Johnston right after these messages. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Maybe you've been walking with God for most of your life. Maybe you don't know much about Jesus or the Bible. Whatever your background, the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN invites you to join us each Sunday morning at 1045 for Reach Orlando, a Bible-centered church with a passion to love God, love people, and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the world. Come study the Bible together with Pastor Adam Parsons and draw closer to God with Reach Orlando, Sunday morning at 1045 on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Hey, we're back again with another Back to Vegas challenge. Got a new question for you, so listen up. Remember, if you get it right, you and your boo could be on your way to enjoying three days and two nights in Las Vegas and two tickets to the hottest show in Vegas. Other than guaranteeing your arrival with a small refundable deposit, you won't pay a dime for this package. The producers of the game show, Lovers or Losers, with TV icon Todd Bridges are picking up the tab. Thanks, Todd. Just be one of the first callers at 844-64-PRIZE. It's that simple. Okay, this movie is about a British secret agent who's frozen in time in the 1960s and is brought back to life to fight his number one nemesis and his cat. Yeah, baby. Was that movie A, Diamonds Are Forever, B, Lethal Weapon, or C, Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery? Know the answer? Call now, 844-64-PRIZE. Be one of the first callers with the correct answer right now, 844-64-PRIZE. That's 844-64-PRIZE. Do you have enough drinking water at home or work? For whatever life throws at you. This is Florida, and you can never have enough good, wholesome drinking water on hand for meetings, family gatherings, even Mother Nature's wrath. Be prepared with Carolina Highland Mountain Spring Water, delivered directly to your home or business. Call now for their Be Prepared delivery special. Individual bottles, dispensers, and coolers. No contracts, no fees. Call 407-851-7144. Online at carolinabottledwater.com. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Ray Johnston is with us from California. His book is called Jesus Called. He wants his church back. I'm a non-Christian, just like most Christians. Uh, That's the fourth topic, Ray. It's in quotes. Uh, Fill us in. What happened is... I am not a fan of Bill Maher. I usually don't agree with anything he says, but he had a great line one time. He said, hey, if you hate hate people, how can you claim to follow the guy that loved everybody and said, neither do I condemn And he said, but he said, I can say that because I'm a non-Christian just like most Christians. I thought, most Christians don't look like Jesus. I mean, Pat, you're a sports guy, so am I. I was at the Masters golf tournament last year, Mm. walking into the Masters, which is a privilege and a thrill. And out front, there's a Christian, and he's standing on a soapbox with a microphone on a really hot day, and he's screaming at people coming in, basically saying, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. That's his whole message. You're going to hell. I'm every single person walked by. And... I walked out five hours later, and he's still there screaming at people, and people are trying to ignore him or get away from him. And and I and so I actually thought I'm going to try to. I walked up to him and I said, "Hey, I got a question." He wouldn't. He would literally not even look. I I actually got right in his face and said, "Hey, can I just ask you a quick question?" He would not stop screaming at everybody. Wouldn't even make eye contact. Mm. And I went, "This guy's claiming to be a Christ follower." but he doesn't look anything like Jesus. 
And somehow there has been a disconnect. I mean, it's almost like we've got to, we, Christians just don't live like Jesus. They don't look like Jesus. They don't love like Jesus. They don't lead like Jesus. And, and, and we're, I'm going, we got, we have got to get back to getting reintroduced to the Jesus who treated people with class, who said, I'll never leave you, who actually said, quit worrying about your title, pick up a towel, who said, if you want to walk on water, you got to get off your couch. I mean, somehow people say they follow him. They just don't live or look anything like it. Now let's talk about topic five, fed up with church. <laughs> I was driving now. This is California. Well, Florida. I'm driving down the road but while I'm writing this book. I look over, there's a white van on the side of the road, and in gigantic red letters, it says, Church Sucks. Mm. <laughs> and and so I, I tried to title the chapter, Church Sucks. The publisher wouldn't let me, so they titled it, Fed Up With Church. But I tell that story in the start of the chapter, because as I drove by, I went, you know what? In some ways, somebody wrote that for a reason. And I thought they're actually correct. Church sucks when it's all about money. Church sucks when it makes people feel like outsiders. Church sucks when it's a condemning gathering of people instead of a grace and truth-filled gathering of people. Um, and a church sucks when we're not unleashing compassion. Uh, and it, was, it was interesting. We, the local mall near us, um, we've got a mall called the Gallery in Nordstrom's Anchors. It's a great place. And we had a terrorist attack it about three years ago and set off a bomb and destroyed about a third of the mall. So I thought, the church, we're supposed to care about this stuff. So we, I called the mall, got the manager, got the city manager together, and said, look, what can we do? Who's going to be hurt? And what they figured out is most of the employees in stores had insurance. The people that were going to be hurt were most of the day laborers, many of them Hispanic, living from paycheck to paycheck, and they were going to be out of work, no insurance. And so I went to our church, and I explained this, and I said, we're going to take a second offering. Our people gave $90,000 of a second offering, mm. and we didn't keep a dime, but we went back to the mall and said, here, we're going to give you the money, and we actually ended up doing it through the city. We're saying, we're going to pay for every single person, and what happened is over the next 18 months, we kept hundreds of people in their apartments, kept their heat on, their lights on, their kids in school, um, and, and, and got them through this tough time. And then what happened is just the mall called us this year and said, we partner with the mall and all kinds of stuff now. So it, uh, East, when uh, Christmas rolled around, we actually did a drop and shop in the mall. In our children's ministry, they gave us a vacant store, and we said to every mom in the whole thing, you can drop your kids off for three hours. We're doing programs with kids for free, and you can just go shop. We set up a free gift wrapping thing in the mall. And with the mall's permission, right in the middle of the mall, wrap all your presents for free. And if you want to make a donation, it goes to these five community causes. Well, what happened is the atheist organization in Sacramento found out that we were doing this at the mall. They called the mall to protest a church, Bayside Church being in the mall. And the mall, the manager of the mall said to them, look, when we got firebombed and our employees were hurting, we never heard from you guys. <laughs> they said, these Bayside guys have been here for the tough times. We want them here for the good times. And I thought, you know, we, we've we just got to go back to being the church that unleashed compassion. I mean, in Acts chapter 2, it says, they sold their possessions and gave to anyone who had needs. The, the early church started with good deeds. That led to goodwill, and that led to openness to the good news. We've got it. Uh, most American churches, we're trying to deliver the good news without good deeds, so there's no goodwill. We have got to get this one right. Now let's talk about lukewarm and loving it. <laughs> the most Christians, uh, by and large, you have a larger list of things they don't care about than things they do care about. And at some point, you feel like they have that chapter. And the chapter on if you want to walk on water, you got to get off the couch, go together. And both those chapters are by and large saying the same thing. I, I, I wrote the chapters because I have a new conviction, and it's been bothering me for a long time, so I thought I'd bother everybody in Florida and around the world with it. And it says, I think we have a new idol, and the new idol is safety. 
I mean, kids are 16 years old before they've ever gone outside, you know. And I actually made a list. We are the most seat-belted, airbag, bike-helmeted, knee-pad-wearing, hyper-insured, sunscreen-slathering, massively-medicated, password-protected, inoculated, peanut-avoiding, gluten-free generation in history. And all it's done is make everybody more afraid of everything. And I think the idol of safety is shrinking our lives, shrinking our faith, shrinking our impact, shrinking God, and leaves us with shrunken up hearts, and then we never attempt anything great. Mm. And, and so, so, for example, right now as we're speaking, our church has a thousand teenagers in Mexico, and my wife and my daughter are down there. They, they are um, they, they have a chapel in the, I mean, it's the middle of nowhere. We set up a base camp, and then they're working with 160 different churches. They have set, they, they are building somewhere between 14 and 16 homes. In four days, they build an entire home and give it to a family. And these kids are sharing their faith, they're serving, they're going into prisons. They're, I mean, they're doing amazing stuff down there. And they will come back transformed, and the lukewarmness stuff and the disconnect will get blown right out of your life. But it was interesting. I had a dad. Um, I live in Granite Bay. It's a wealthy community. I had a dad talk to me, and he said, "Can you? I'm thinking about letting my daughter go. She's a high school sophomore. He said, can you guarantee me it will be safe? I mean, Pat, we know better than that. And I said, what I said to him is, look, no, there's no way I can guarantee it'll be safe. I can guarantee you this, though. Your daughter going down there and learning to serve, learning to have her faith come alive, learning to trust God, learning to use her gifts, learning to make an impact. Your daughter developing a heart of compassion is going to be a lot safer for her than growing up in Granite Bay, California, and never learning that stuff. That's great. Christian zombies. (laughs) Meet the Jesus who wants you fully alive. That's exactly right. I mean, you think about it. The... Most Christians, and let's admit it, you ask people, what's the number one thing you hear, you think of when you hear the word church? It's boring. I mean, somehow we've managed to take Jesus, who was attractive to people, and we've managed to take him and church and make it boring. Matter of fact, and you change anything to make it more exciting, and people get upset about it. And... And it was a cool thing. Matter of fact, it'll happen Saturday. It'll happen this Saturday night when these kids get back from Mexico. We do an eight o'clock. This happened two years ago. We did an eight o'clock Christmas Eve service, and we told all these teenagers come to that one. Well, they got back. They went, showered up, and they all came straight to church. And there's a couple, uh, probably twenty five hundred people in the service, and uh, half of them are teenagers and their families. And we do an Easter service. Our worship leaders, Ann and Lincoln Brewster, used to play for Journeys. Amazing, and so. At the end of the message, I just felt like there's a lot of energy here, and they're not done. So I said, y'all want to keep singing. So Lincoln came back out, and the band struck up, and they sung another worship song. And then what happened is this. A thousand kids rushed the church stage and were yelling one more song, one more song. And they sung another song, and another song, and another song. And I mean, finally, I had to go out about 10 o'clock and break the thing up, because we had services the next day. Well, what happened is, I, while that's going on, I'm actually looking at the scene with tears in my eyes. I'm thinking, it's 9.30 on a Saturday night. There's a 1,000 teenagers and another 1,500 adults in this thing, and they're yelling one more song after rushing the stage. And I went, this is the way church ought to be. But where, where else would I want those teenagers? So somehow I think that church is going to come back alive. People are attracted to places that are alive. Right, people listen to your radio program because you've got credibility and you've got leadership credibility, and it's not boring. I just think, as the young life used to say, it's a sin to bore a kid. Get off the couch. Meet the Jesus <laughs> who calls you to stop playing it safe. That's exactly right. Uh, that, that, this, was, this was an embarrassing chapter. I tell the story in the chapter. We... I write an entire chapter about, you know what, God wants you to stop playing it safe. Most Christians don't, it's the idol of safety. Most Christians tip instead of tithe. Why? Because it might not be financially safe. Most Christians never serve, never share, never take a stand, never take a risk. Why? It might not be safe. So I write this, this embarrassing, I write this whole chapter about not playing it safe. And at the end of writing this, I get a phone call. And it's a buddy of mine in Cambodia. 
and we had just raised, we had just talked about money for six weeks, raised millions of dollars, and given $3 million away. And he calls and says, hey, the general over all sex trafficking in Cambodia just called me. And he said, he told me, we haven't made any arrests at all in Cambodia. I mean, the towns we work in in Cambodia with this guy, 100% of the girls were sex trafficked. Some of them as young as four years old. And so we've been working over there for years, and we've cut it by 50%. We've built homes for these girls. And this guy says the general meets with them and says, hey, the cops over here are so corrupt, we've made no arrests. Every time we do a raid, all the pimps are gone, all the girls are gone because the cops have been paid off. He said, I want to form an independent SWAT team of Cambodians I trust and Westerners I trust. But what I want to do is I want to do it um, with – he goes, it's going to cost a quarter million dollars, and we don't have it. He looks at my friend and says, can you get your hands on a quarter million dollars? The guy call, he calls me, and I actually say to this guy, look, I'm really sorry. I just, uh, I just, we just talked about money for six weeks. If I talk about money one more time in my church soon, I'm going to get tossed out of the place. And I actually use this phrase, it's just not safe to talk about money in my church right now. Right after writing right this chapter, the uh, two days later, God is all over my back. I meet with my staff, and they go, we have got to do this. Actually, one of them said, what kind of cold-hearted jerk would turn this down? I said, no, that'd be me. So I called the guy back, and I said, get me a business plan. He sends me a full business plan, and it's got stuff on it like I've never seen. I mean, we need you know surveillance equipment, bulletproof vests, you know, bullets for Jesus. I mean, all this stuff. What happens is, we stand up on Christmas Eve, on our Christmas Eve services. We tell them the whole story, and we say, oh, we're taking a second offering today. Our people, we need a quarter million dollars. Our people did not give a quarter million dollars. They did give $400,000 on Christmas Eve. Mm. We didn't keep a dime of it. That was 18 months ago. And they have formed the first SWAT team. They have freed oh, somewhere now between three and 400 girls. They have made over 60 uh, raids. They have arrested more than 70 guys, all of whom are now in prison where they can never again hurt young girls. Uh, I mean, literally, I'd finished writing this chapter, and and I had lived the opposite and then got flipped on that. And like, you know, while we're talking right now, there are hundreds and hundreds of girls who are now safe, and there are, even better, there are at least 60 to 70 really bad guys who are in prison where they can never again hurt young girls. And the entire thing almost didn't happen for one reason, me. Ray Johnston has been our guest. The book is called Jesus Called. He wants his church back. What Christians and the American church are missing. Thomas Nelson published the book, and, uh, Ray, you have uh, given us a marvelous half hour. Valuable. I'm so glad we could visit. It's an honor to be with you. Thank you. We've got more after this here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando, Florida. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Hi, I'm Barbara Sandek, your host on Grace Notes, a 15-minute program that contains biblical teaching and a wide variety of music. Some of the subjects we address are why do we have trials and cultivating intimacy with God. You can listen right here on WTLN every Sunday at 2.45 p.m. Can't catch the whole broadcast? Visit our podcast on the web 24-7 on WTLN.com. So tune in. You won't want to miss it. Is looking good important to you? Then what you wear and how it looks on you means a lot. Let's face it, whether you wear a suit, uniform, or dickies to work, you probably spend a great deal on your clothes, and you want to keep them looking good as new. That's where Priceless Dry Cleaners comes in. You can trust the folks at Priceless Dry Cleaners. They've been keeping clothes like new in Central Florida for over 25 years, and from the same location, North Orlando Avenue and Winter Park, across from Trader Joe's. Short on time? Let's face it, who isn't? Family-owned and operated Priceless Dry Cleaners saves you time with free pickup and delivery from your home, shop, or office. If you 
you want to keep your clothes looking newer, longer, then you need priceless dry cleaners. 220 North Orlando Avenue, Winter Park, and at Altamont Springs at 851 State Road 436 in the San Sebastian Square 2. Check out their business VIP club at pricelesscleaners.com, where groups with five or more members get 25% off dry cleaning. Priceless dry cleaners, because looking good and having a dry cleaner you know you can trust is important to you. Hi, this is Steve Kreloff. It's a great blessing to be able to come into your home and cars via radio each weekday evening at 6.30 with Verse by Verse. The Apostle Paul told his young protege, Timothy, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. That's my passion, to accurately understand and teach God's word of truth. I hope you'll tune in weekdays at 6.30 p.m. to Verse by Verse on WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Our guest in that first half hour, Ray Johnston from uh, Sacramento, California, talking about his new book, Jesus Called. Uh, Jim Burns is back. Always love having him with us. Founder of the Homeward Radio Program. Author of Pass It On. That's his latest work. And, Jim, welcome back. I'm always delighted when we can hook up here. Pat, great to be with you, as always. I read your stuff, and I'm always so motivated. I'm just telling you. right? Well, thank you. Thank you. Pass it on. Building a legacy of faith for your children through practical and memorable experiences. Uh, The book's been out a little while, but uh, I'm eager to dive into it and uh, catch up with you, Jim, and uh, tell us what this is all about. Well, you know, Pat, I've been interested in this um, all of my Christian life, and I know you are too. You know, how do you help pass on faith from generation to generation? And uh, we really haven't done a very good job, frankly, because 65% of kids who graduate from high school who are in the church right now are not going to church even within the next year. And then all of a sudden we realize that there's a 300% better chance that kids will stay in the church if they have faith conversations in the home. And uh, so what we're trying to do with Pass It On is help parents have a one once-a-year experience where they talk about an important rite of passage. You know, so many other cultures do rites of passage. And so what we're creating is kind of a, a one-time experience. You can start at any time, but we, we give them something from kindergarten through 12th grade. And it's uh, celebrating a, a rite of passage that's meaningful to kids, meaningful to the parents. And it's been really a neat thing. We've got 28,000 people doing it right now, and we're hoping for more than 100,000 people to, you know, jump into it. Who is Jeremy Lee, and uh, how did the two of you uh, hook up? Jeremy Lee is is a great guy. He's in Nashville, Tennessee. I was speaking at his church, and he was telling me about some of the rites of passage things that he was doing for just the people in his church. I said, Jeremy, when I was at Princeton in grad school, I actually wrote my major dissertation on rites of passage, and I've always wanted to do something. And so we started talking, and we went, wow, this is the perfect thing. He's doing it. I'm watching him. And uh, my experience had been I had been doing some when I was working in the church, and then as I got out to work with Homeward, um, it was kind of my, my dream to, to start doing it. So we made kind of the, you know, the, we were the couple uh, made in heaven in terms of writing this book together. And he's really fun. He's funny. He's, uh, he's doing it with his own children. He's watched thousands of people go through this. So it's been a really fun partnership, so to speak, with this book. Jim Burns is our guest. Why is it so important, Jim, for parents to create a spiritual legacy for their children? Well, one thing, Pat, is that uh, you know all studies show that the most important influence in a, in a kid's life spiritually is uh, would be their parents. But it's, it's actually, interesting enough, mom, and then it's dad. And actually, we dads need to kind of buck it up and, and be more... Uh, forceful in that just and, and more present because moms frankly do a lot better job at least that's what kids say and because of that what we realize is that whether people are you know strong in their faith or you know just kind of getting into it or whatever um it's it's the parents who influence the kids now again they have friends they have their church youth groups or their you know children's ministry but by far it's mom and dad then secondly is is grandma and grandpa and so what we're trying to do is create something that the family can do together uh, for example, you give somebody a, you know, a gift, and then you kind of talk about it or you have an experience. But you could try to bring in you know, family members and, and even other people in their life who are significant, because that's who's significant. So it's, it's parents. It's been that way since you know, day one, and it continues to be that way. 
Uh, Jim, explain what you mean when you ask parents to think generationally. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's funny because I just have a, we now have a brand new grandchild. And uh, so I'm really thinking generationally and legacy much more these days. It's our first. Um, But what generationally means is that, you know, I'm passing on faith to the next generation, my children, and my children pass on pass on faith to the, to the following generation. You know, the Bible says that you actually inherit the sins of a previous generation to the third and fourth generation, but we always stop there. And it's true. We inherit, you know, different sin bands and different, you know, bad habits and everything from our parents, good habits too. But it goes on to say, but the love of God lasts for a thousand generations to come. That's what that scripture says. And, you know, at Homeward, where I work, we have a phrase that says, one of the jobs of the church is to mentor parents Parents mentor their children, and the legacy of faith continues from generation to generation. That's how we pass it on. So the most effective way to pass on faith is actually from the family. It's been that way, you know, from the beginning of time. The thought of organizing or orchestrating a spiritual legacy for your family, oh, Jim, it can seem daunting. Oh, totally. And you so, said the right word, daunting. It, it, it can be. That's what, we, what we've tried to do with the Pass It On project is make it very simple for parents. Uh, for example, for a kindergartner, uh, it's called the Invitation to Generosity. And actually, the kindergartner gets to choose something that the whole family does that's uh, meaningful in terms of you know doing some kind of a service thing. Jeremy's son had heard about in Nashville uh, during winter, it was really quite cold. And so he said, well, I, I think our family should get some blankets and he gave his uh he gave his mom and dad 12 cents <laughs> as if that was going to buy a lot of blankets so his mom and dad had to kick in you know about 140 dollars and the whole family went out and gave blankets to people who needed it and it was a beautiful experience but this little boy learned early that you know the call to christ is the call to serve and you know it was a memorable experience was it you know an experience that you know he had to do on his own oh no the whole family did something and so that, so he learned that lesson. So I think that's the kind of thing that you do. It's just you know simple little acts of, of well, this one was an act of, of service. But then at each age, for example, at uh, second grade, you would do a you would do a, the uh, the gift of, of an invitation to the Bible because they start reading. And so as a family, you give this second grader a Bible, not a you know not one that they can't read, but a good children's Bible, and then maybe even write little. Uh, inspirational notes or inspirational scriptures, and then at a dinner, you share it, you hand it to them, um, and then you let that second grader uh, on a daily basis, maybe they read a sentence, but, you know, they read something out of it, they get in the habit of doing it, become special to them. Jim Burns is a renowned youth and family expert, an acclaimed author and founder of the Homeward Radio Program that reaches more than one million people across the country every day. We're talking about his book, Pass It On. Uh, okay, let's talk about this one, Jim. Uh, the foundation of Pass It On, as I go through the book, is the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. Right. So what truth does this book have to offer families today more than 3,400 years after the time it was written? Yeah, you're exactly right. And, and actually, it's it's the plan and purpose of the Hebrew people. I was I was actually in Florida just the other day, and I said to a group of about 400 parents, I said, What's the most popular and most often quoted scripture in the in the Bible? And you know, they all went to John three sixteen for God so loved the world. They had all these great scriptures, and I said, "No, you're all wrong." <laughs> I said, "It's actually Deuteronomy six four through nine, and in, and in the Hebrew, the word is the Shema, which simply means in Hebrew to listen. And the reason it's the most often quoted scripture is because an Orthodox Jew is going to quote it every morning. Pat, they're going to quote it every evening. They're going to quote it at Sabbath. They'll actually stand because it's the Holy of Holies. And even when Jesus was tested. What is the most important commandment? He went right to the Shema, and he said, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, body, and soul. Well, fascinating enough, they all, because he was being tested, they all went, okay, well, he's one of us. I mean, we say how brilliant it is. It is brilliant. But at the same time, he was just saying what every Jew would say. So the the standard bearer of passing on faith is what the Hebrews did, and I think we Christians can learn a lot from it. Um, and, And frankly, it just says, there is one God, so you know, serve him with all you've got, faithfulness and fidelity to God. They teach you how to pass it on, because in that scripture it says, impress this on your children. The scripture right before that says, basically, live it out. And then it even tells you how to do it when you get up in the morning, when you go to bed. Very simple things, but basically saying, bring the presence of God into your home. The good news is, you don't have to be a Bible scholar 
you don't have to do heavy-duty Bible stories, but you just you make it as natural as you can. It even says when you walk along the road, and of course that for us would mean when we when we drive in the car probably, but it might be just a, you know a simple conversation. So what we're trying to do is bring simple conversations where the parents can say, well, we can't give them Greek and Hebrew, but what we can do is have a, a you know a spiritual conversation, and we find out that when kids look back, they go, those were the meaningful times for me, uh, you know, when I was uh, growing up spiritually. Jim, what is a rite of passage, and how does it help a child internalize a truth or lesson? Well, you know, we, we all have rites of passage. You know, we have a rite of passage. We're going to celebrate a birthday next week of my wife's, and, you know, that's going to be a rite of passage for her because she's going to move to another year. Um, when kids go to kindergarten, that's a rite of passage. When kids can read, that's a rite of passage. Uh, for me, uh, moving from uh, junior varsity basketball to varsity basketball, that was a major rite of passage for me. Well, what we don't tend to do is, as families is celebrate some of those rites of passage. For example, we have one in the book on a driving contract, because that was a major thing for me. I mean, the day I became 16, I wanted to go get my license. I did. And, uh, you know, that was a rite of passage. So what we're doing is giving people opportunities to learn uh, from their basic rite of passages. So it could be anything from reading to learning to tell time to having friendships. Um, in eighth grade, we talk about the purity code, which is, you know, helping kids make good decisions about sexuality. So you take something in their life and, uh, and, and you celebrate it. At, at this birthday that we're going to do uh, with my wife, all the family will come. We do this for everybody in our family. We, we'll go out to dinner. Then we'll, we'll, we'll say three good things to Kathy, my wife, from each person in the family. And, um, and it'll be kind of an affirmation to her. Well, that's kind of celebrating a rite of passion. It's that simple. But, uh, you know, loads of rites of passages. And, in in, you know, the Hebrew days, and again, I was, I was really influenced when I wrote this on Hebrews, they have a bar mitzvah and a bat mitzvah at 13 because that was the time that you became an adult. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that's not necessarily the case <laughs> with our kids because I don't think our kids are ready to be adults anymore. But, of course, they didn't have teenagers then. Um, but you're celebrating that rite of passage. You're moving from childhood to adulthood. So there's tons of things you can celebrate rites of passages. We just happen to pick, you know, kind of our favorite 13. How do simple habits, Jim, such as talking about faith around the dinner table at night, uh, impact your child's faith journey? Yeah, I, I actually think, Pat, it's, it's probably more sometimes important than even some of the formalized training because it's natural, it, uh, it's authentic, um, it's not forced, and uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. As you well know, you have a pretty, you have a pretty big dinner table in your life with uh, all of those <laughs> kids in, in the Williams world. And, um, you know, but, but it's, it's the natural conversations, the daily conversations, the authentic conversations. And so I think those are the things that are, that are most effective. I was not raised in a Christian home, so we didn't have a whole lot of spiritual conversations, but I still treasured those times of, of conversation with my parents. Um, and my, my parents were good people. They just didn't happen to have, you know, a Christian background. They did, after I became a Christian, they, they became a Christian. They've now both passed on. But the, uh, those conversations are, are, were meaningful. I mean, in our home, we didn't try to have forced conversations, but we would we would bring up things, and um, you know sometimes we would have incredible dialogue, and other times Kathy and I would kind of look at each other and go, "Well, that didn't work," <laughs> because you know they were moving on. That's okay. It's it's the daily life conversations that that really make a difference, and so you're just you're you're uh, putting one conversation on top of another conversation on top of another conversation. You look back over years and you say, "Wait, we have been passing, you know, this legacy of faith." Why do you think some parents place more emphasis on grades or athletics than spiritual development? Well, I think it's one of the least areas of, uh, of, of really input for a lot of, lot of parents. I mean, we're so busy, too busy. And we're so busy trying to get through Thursday or whatever that we, um, you know, we, we're, we're engulfed in, you know, their games or their dance recitals or we're, you know, trying to get their grades going. And those are the urgent issues. And so sometimes we, we miss it. Other times, I think it's because we lack it in our own life, where we just say, "Well, we don't have the confidence to do this because you know we, we can sure help them with our with their school, but we can't. Uh, we don't want to talk about you know some of the spiritual things because maybe there was a fight in the house or we were you know we were experiencing some anger, or whatever. Instead of making it you know apart and and making it authentic. So you know the confidence levels. One of the things in our pass it on project is we wanted parents to have some confidence. Say, "Wow, this was an incredible experience. We can do this. Is simple." You know, we can do this. And so, you know, I think we miss the discipline. And 
you know, Paul said to Timothy, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. And just like a good athlete needs to be disciplined in their, uh, you know, ability to, to uh, play a sport, um, you know, I think we have to do that in, in spiritual stuff. And, and, and yet, fascinating enough, I think it has to be some of the basics. It was that, you know, great theologian, you know, Vince Lombardi of the Green Bay Packers who said, right. when you've strayed away from the basics, you've gone a long ways toward defeat. Celebrating rites of passage is celebrating basics where you bring spiritual issues into, you know, everyday life. And uh, for parents, we sometimes just don't think about it. Jim Burns is our guest, the co-author of Pass It On. It's a good read. Uh, Jim and his writing partner, uh, a pastor from Nashville, Jeremy Lee, have put it out, Pass It On. And uh, Thomas Nelson is the publisher. And uh, we're going to be back with Jim Burns right after this, folks. Uh, We've got more here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Stay with us. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Join Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, as he opens God's Word every Sunday afternoon at 5.30 on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. If you missed the Sunday broadcast, you can listen and study along with Dr. Jordan 24-7 at WTLN.com by clicking on the podcast tab and then Riches of Grace. Riches of Grace, a service of Grace Impact Ministries at graceimpact.org. 5.30 Sunday on the new 94. 4.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. A lot of people have life insurance through work. It's a great short-term benefit, but is it enough? A lot of those policies only cover a year's salary, not enough to pay off mortgages or send kids to college, the things life insurance is meant for. That's where SelectQuote comes in. SelectQuote is your personal life insurance guide. They get multiple quotes to find you the best price from the highly rated companies they represent. John is 36 and in excellent health. He got a half-million-dollar policy for under $20 a month. Life insurance is about peace of mind, not a false sense of security. Which are you getting? Call Select Quote now at 1-800-489-8795. That's 1-800-489-8795. Or get started at SelectQuote.com. 1-800-489-8795. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your premium could vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors. Not available in all states. Hi, this is Trish Bain with the Hope and Inspiration Call each and every Sunday night right here on WTLN. I've been inspired for 18 years with some amazing stories that I would now like to share with you each and every Sunday night. I've been educating people from around the world for the past 18 years on the Iridoid Rich Noni, the original one. I invite you to join us right here at 830, and I want to thank you in advance. See you then. Don't miss Trish Bain and friends with hope and inspiration. Sunday nights at 830 right here on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. David C. Cook is the publisher of Pass It On, building a legacy of faith for your children through practical and memorable experience. Jim Burns is our guest. He's with us and, uh, We've got one more section, Jim, and I want to get into a few more topics like what are the three M's in life and what influence can parents have on these three M's in their child's life? I'm all ears on this one. Three M's. I I actually love this because this is something that it's kind of our job description as parents, especially parents who want to help develop faith. And uh, the first M stands for our mission. You write so well about uh, mission and purpose in life, and the fact is, is that we can't plan our kids' mission out. Now, I don't know about you, but there are times when I kind of wanted to do that for my kids. But, but what we need to do is teach them how to have a mission. What is their purpose? And, and this is much more than, oh, I want to be a professional athlete, or I want to be a doctor, or an attorney, or a ministry person, or a teacher. But it's, you know, what are they going to do with their life? What is their purpose? And you know, they don't find that typically in the younger years. But so the the first M is is helping them develop a mission. I have three daughters. They're um, all now in their 20s. They're just finding their mission now, but Kathy and I had to spend a lot of time helping them kind of think through that uh, as time goes on. So, secondly is mate, 
And again, I don't know about you, but I sure would have loved to have chosen the mates for my kids. That was not going to happen in the United States or in the Burns family. But, you know, are we putting the time into helping them learn how to have right relationships? I mean, my relationship with Kathy, I've been married to her for 41 years. Um, not, we have what we call a high-maintenance marriage. Now, we write on the subject a lot and, and speak on it. But what I realize is, you know, Kathy, besides my relationship with God, is the most important relationship I have. And even the most important relationship I have for my kids because it gives them some security if we're doing good. So how do I help my kids learn to have, you know, a, a healthy relationship? Part of it is by by them watching us, but part of it is by us actively teaching on that subject, even things like, you know, sex and sexuality and, you know, dating and how you, how you uh, deal with the opposite sex and, and, of course, things like that. So it's mission mate and then master. You know, eight, the studies still show it, Pat. 85% of, uh, of the people who make a commitment to Jesus Christ make it before age 18 or they never will. And so, again, only about 15% of adults become Christians once they've kind of, you know, reached that year 18. Now, I know there's some great stories about adults who do, and I never give up on them. But the truth is, is most make those decisions within a family situation before they're 18. So that's why with parents, you know, I think it's a, it's a great marker to say, look, we're going to help them with their mission, mate, and master. We won't choose it for them. Can't. But we can sure help guide them and instruct them. And so by doing experiences like the Pass It On experiences, you're actually helping them in all three of those, you know, big M's, if you would. Great. Mission, mate, and master. Yeah. What about families who are getting a late start, Jim? Is it too late to build a legacy if your kids are in their teens already? No, not at all. I don't think it's ever really too early, or I don't think it's ever really too late. In fact, I know somebody who who was talking to me after I was doing a a seminar at a place on Pass It it On, and they said, yeah, this is great for, for, uh, our, uh, you know, for some, most of these families here at our church, but, you know, my kid is 22 years old. And I said, well, your kid is still in college, you mentioned. Yeah. I said, well, celebrate the rite of passage of, you know, of his graduation of college. And actually, I, I said, I think you could take what we do in 12th grade, the 12th grade is a manhood or a womanhood ceremony, and I think you adapt it, and, you, you know, you honestly have a, a ceremony. You give them a gift, make it a big deal, celebrate the graduation, and say now that you're out of college um, and you're going into, you know, much more of a responsible lifestyle as an adult, we want to celebrate with you. And actually what they did was, because they wrote me an email, they had a dinner. He gave, uh, the dad gave this really incredible gift to the son in terms of, you know, showing he was a man. They, they offered him praise and, and affirmation. They had family members, and they had some uh, special people in his life. His, his youth pastor from a previous church shows up, and they had this, this dinner. And, you know, at first they said, guy, his son, my son was a little bit awkward on this. And later, you know, he said, Dad, that's one of the most, you know, important influences in, in, in my life, I think, and, and experiences. When I was with, uh, I can remember speaking well, with Promise Keepers, and the president of Promise Keepers, Pat, at the time was Randy Phillips. He's the guy who really got some things going. He's a wonderful man. And he used to say to the men all the time, in fact, he said it at uh, the, the old arena for Orlando Magic, because I, I spoke in that arena at Promise Keepers, and he said, a man is not a man until his father tells him he is. Now, again, most of those men would have to say that their, their dads didn't really ever say you're a man, never helped them through that process. So, you know, here's a 22-year-old. They, the dad still basically acknowledge that with his mom and, and others, and it was a really, you know, really important thing. But, you know, I don't think it has to happen just at kindergarten. If we haven't done it at kindergarten, but we've got a fourth grader, great. Start at fourth grade. If you've got an eighth grader, start at eighth grade. And even adapt some of the things. We know people who, who don't do, like we have uh, every, we did it by grade. We have a pass it on experience. But I know people who move that experience around at different times. We have a driving contract when a kid gets a driver's license, which is so cool because it's about, you know, responsibility and all this. And we do it at ninth grade because it's prior to them getting a driver's license. I know a lot of people who said, that's too early for us. Our kid's not ready for that one. We're going to do it when they get their license. And we said, fantastic. It means parents are are putting energy into, um, you know, the kind of thoughts and when the best timing is for them. Because parents understand that much better than, you know, Jeremy and I who are writing the book and doing it with kids. But every kid is different. So how would you describe the ultimate goal of Pass It On? Well, that they would, that kids would would move from owning their parents' faith to owning their own faith, and that actually, as they move from childhood to adulthood, two things would happen. One is they would move from dependence on their parents 
in terms of learning about faith, to independence, where they're now taking that faith and owning it themselves, and then ultimately that they would then pass it on. We're having an experience uh, with our little, we have this new grandson I was mentioning at the beginning of the broadcast, and uh, his name is James, too. So that means that uh, his baby dedication, which happens in a week, um, is really a big deal to us because I'm seeing my daughter Christy and her husband Steve. They now are doing the same thing that we did for Christy when Christy was, you know, six months old. And so we're watching a new generation. Now is James, you know, ready to, uh, you know, at six months, ready to, uh, you know, be in youth group? No, he's not. But it's that process of, of Christy taking it seriously, her husband Steve taking it seriously and moving it on. It's one of the joys of my life. So I look forward to watching James make some of these good decisions. And actually, as a grandpa, I look forward to doing these rites of passages with him. And you know, I've got three daughters, uh, and I'm sure there's going to be some other grandkids coming along as well. Jim Burns is our guest. Jim, a while back, I got in the mail a workbook called Getting Ready for Marriage yeah. that you and Doug Fields put together. Right. Uh, we've got about two minutes. Uh, tell, tell me about that workbook and, and what its mission is. Yeah, well, we've got a book, a workbook, and an online app. And the mission is this, to help uh, young people who are preparing for marriage to prepare for marriage. A lot of times young people will spend more time getting ready for that one-day you know, party, the wedding, which they should, I mean, it's beautiful, and not spend enough time, you know, getting ready for marriage. In fact, a fascinating thing just came out. 31% better chance that people will stay married if they have good premarital education. So the Getting Ready for Marriage project has uh, been going on for about a year now, and we're watching churches take it on. We're watching, uh, you know, individuals, you know, go through the book. And even in the state of Florida, you can get a better deal on your uh, marriage application fee if you'll go through premarital counseling. It's happening in Florida, in uh, Oklahoma, about five states. But I, I hope that all the states will, will uh, take consideration of this because it's, it's just so important. So for us, we said, how do we help? We've been doing you know marriages for years. Both of us have a pastoral background. And we said, how, how do we help these people? And we thought, you know what, we can help them by creating a book that's practical, a workbook that inter- where they can interact and, um, and then an online app, which gets them really taken it a step farther. It has some funny videos. It has some teaching by Doug and myself. And um, so we're, we're pretty um, humbled, to be honest, that so many of the, uh, some of the major churches in America are beginning to use that as their premarital counseling, but it's also for individuals. So they can go to gettingreadyformarriage.com and, and see the, uh, the incredible app. They can look at a one-minute uh, fun video that explains it. Jim, a million thanks. I'm so glad that we could visit. It's always a treat to have you on the air here in Central Florida. And uh, I wish you nothing but the best, Jim. You too. Okay. Jim Burns, founder of the Homeward Radio Program and co-author of Pass It On and Getting Ready for Marriage. Uh, Jim uh, covers every field in the book. (laughs) We've got a wrap-up right after this, folks, on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Here on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your host, Dr. Daniel Forbes, and attorney, Delta Chen. Families by Design airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. That's Families by Design on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. As always, a million thanks for joining us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, Ray Johnston was our guest in the first half hour from uh, California, uh, talking about his book, Jesus Called. And then Jim Burns back again, and uh, we got into his book that he co-authored, Pass It On. Uh, Please visit uh, my website. It's patwilliams.com. Dot com, the Twitter page, Orlando Magic Pat. And I want you to check out my most recent book. It's called Leadership Excellence, an updated and revised version with lots of new material. Uh, it's in bookstores now, hardcover. 
Uh, Amazon.com, always a wonderful way to order books. Have a great day tomorrow at church with your family. And enjoy this great weather in the week ahead here in Central Florida. And we'll be back next weekend for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. You're listening to the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this same time on the intersection of faith and reason. The new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.